Contender or pretender in the Big 12, how does it all stack up? I'm Pete Mundo. We're Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com, your independent Big 12 digital media outlet. It's great to be here with you for another week. And I am now a father for the second time. We had our baby daughter, Chloe Mary Mundo, who was born on Sunday at 12.23 p.m. So some of you who follow me on social media personally, at Pete Mundo on Twitter, on Instagram, on Facebook, have reached out. Uh, we posted some pictures there if you do want to see them. Uh, wife and baby are doing absolutely outstanding, and we appreciate those of you who have reached out. Second daughter, we've got a, a two-and-a-half-year-old Claire who is absolutely fantastic. She is a big sister now, and our lives could not be uh, – we could not be any more grateful for where we are and and how baby is doing and how our family is doing. So wanted to take a moment out. I will be introducing her to plenty of college football this year. Claire, by the way, our two-and-a-half-year-old, she's very much in the college game day. I mean, she's been exposed to it for two seasons now, and she loves it. She absolutely loves it. So I will get Chloe on board as well, and the three of us will be watching College Game Day on Saturday mornings and yelling at Kirk Herbstreet and hoping that Lee Corso, who God bless him, has moved on by then, and my wife will be rolling her eyes, and we will continue to grow as a family. So we're looking forward to that, and we appreciate each and every one of you. And um, whether it's on the radio or on the podcast, it is uh, great to have your support of heartlandcollegesports.com. So let's get into the content here and tell you what's uh, happening. Well, it's a quiet time of year. It's the time of year when we get to have some fun with things like breaking down contender or pretender. And that's what we're going to do right now as we go through the Big 12 and look ahead to the 2021 college football season. We'll go in alphabetical order. The Baylor Bears, are they pretenders or contenders? Baylor, in my book, is a pretender. They went 2-7 and seven last year. I believe that Jacob Zeno at quarterback can be an improvement over Charlie Brewer. But I still have serious concerns, serious concerns with the offensive line, with the fact that the running back situation is not looking great. And I believe in Dave Aranda. And Dave Aranda was put into a tough spot last year. First time head coach, no spring ball, no summer camp. But this guy's been given every tool. Thus far, and he's got to start showing some progress here. Progress would be a bowl game for Baylor. They are not a contender for the Big 12 Conference. They're not right now. Let's go down the list. After Baylor, we have the Iowa State Cyclones. Obviously, the Iowa State Cyclones are contenders. Big 12 championship appearance last year. A bulk of the prospects coming back. I mean, you talk about, talk about guys that could have gone to the NFL that decided, no, I want another run. Most of them are coming back. You think about this team next year with Brock Purdy, with Mike Rose, with Brees Hall, with Charlie Kohler. I mean, this team is bringing back some of the most important players in the Big 12, not just for Iowa State, but the entire Big 12. I still want to see the offensive line get better, right? And, yes, they won some close games last year that could have gone either way. The Texas game, top of the list. But this is a team that is going to be top 10 in the preseason that deserves to have that ranking and absolutely is a contender 
in the Big 12 Conference in 2021. They will have probably the second best odds to win the conference after Oklahoma, and that is well-deserved. Kansas State, the Wildcats. I'm putting them into the pretender category for the Kansas State Wildcats. I look at this team and I say, okay, yeah, great. Skylar Thompson's coming back at quarterback. Running back Deuce Vaughn is a stud. But where are the other playmakers? The defense loses a lot of production. Guys are coming and going. Uh, Chris Kleiman can beat Oklahoma, but, you know, rest of the conference has been a little bit dicey at times. Now, this should be his deepest team because it's his third year. He started to recruit better than Bill Snyder did, which wasn't saying much. But Bill Snyder, especially those last couple of classes, they were very weak. So Kleiman's getting into year three. That's really when you get to build up what your team is, who your guys are, which is very important. And Chris Kleiman knew what he was getting into when he walked into the situation. He's not a guy that's anywhere close to being on any type of a hot seat. I don't believe he should be anywhere close to that. But this is the year when he gets to show off his recruiting chops, the guys that he has brought in, and what those guys can start to potentially do in this program moving forward. You don't need a Deuce Vaughn at every position, although you take him, all right? That guy clearly is a stud. But who are those diamonds in the rough that Kansas State did so well at recruiting up until the last five years of Bill Snyder's second tenure in Manhattan? That's what we're going to learn starting this year uh, at Kansas State. We then go to Kansas. Well, uh, pretender, uh, need I say more about the Kansas Jayhawks pretender? I mean, if Lance Leopold wins a game or two, you're a happy camper. All right? Uh, like That's, that's got to be the standard here. And I, I was looking at odds, by the way, for the Big 12 next season. And the odds of Kansas winning the conference are 150 to 1. Now, uh, you look around the rest of the conference, and the second-worst odds are 50-1 to for Baylor and Texas Tech. Kansas at 150-1 to is a ripoff. Like, seriously, I wouldn't do it at 500-1. to You're literally throwing money out the window. It's a huge waste of money. So uh, there's not a whole lot more that, that should or needs to be said there. Contender, pretender up and down the Big 12 Conference. Oklahoma. Contender, no shocker, the Oklahoma Sooners. Yes, sorry, contender. The team that has won six straight Big 12 titles, we are going to call a contender for the Big 12 in 2021. This is the kind of can't-miss analysis you are not going to get anywhere else. The Oklahoma Sooners being Big 12 contenders. Of course, I say this tug-in-cheek, but, you know, we got to go through every team. But, yeah, when you got the best quarterback in the conference, maybe the number one overall draft pick next year in Spencer Rattler, You've got a defense that gets better under Alex Grinch every year. Uh, guys like Perion Winfrey, Nick Benito, these are studs, not just in the Big 12, but guys who could be, you know, first, second-round draft picks next year. Uh, I want to see them better up front, but yes, Oklahoma obviously, obviously is a contender in the Big 12 Conference in 2021. Oklahoma State. This may surprise some of you, but I'm going pretender, okay? Here's why. Yes, they have a very good defense coming back. Yes, Spencer Sanders is a year older. They have guys developing at running back and wide receiver that I like a lot. But here's the problem for Oklahoma State. It feels like they always win one or two games less 
than the high end of what we expect. Like, outside of the 2011 magical season, which that team, I believe, could have won a national championship, Brandon Whedon, Justin Blackman, everything else. Outside of that team, can you find me the year where you say Oklahoma State overachieved? Where Oklahoma State was supposed to win seven games and they won nine. Like, I don't think those seasons have really happened under Mike Gundy. And every year that I think, hey, they can get to the Big 12 title game this year and then you get to the game and who knows what happens. Like, they're done by early November, at least when it comes to the Big 12 title race. And the problem for Mike Gundy is he can't beat Lincoln Riley. All right? I mean, he can't beat Oklahoma. Forget Lincoln Riley. He couldn't beat Bob Stoops. He can't beat Oklahoma. So to be a contender in the Big 12, you've got to look at this and say to yourself, okay, if I want to get to a Big 12 championship game, what do I have to do? Well, if you're Mike Gundy, guess what? If you're going to lose to Oklahoma, which you do every year, then you have to make sure that you are doing really well against Iowa State, Texas, TCU. You've got to go 3-0, and at worst 2-1 and against those teams. And that's tough to do with the way those teams are shaping up this year. And then you can't have a letdown game against a West Virginia, a Kansas State, uh, a Texas Tech. You can't do it. And that's another problem that Oklahoma State runs into. It seems like there's that game every year where it's like, where's the team from last week? Where's this team that, you know, is playing great football and just suddenly falls off the map? Like, what's that all about? So I want Oklahoma State to be a contender. I really do. But I do not believe, benefit of the doubt-wise, they should be in that category right now. I, I, I genuinely don't believe that. All right? So I've got to put Oklahoma State into the pretender category. TCU, I may get some flack for this, but I'm putting TCU into the contender category. The defense has always been there. The line, the linebackers, the secondary. Is this the year that they get the offense going with Max Duggan? They've got pieces. Quinton Johnson, uh, you know, that guy may be a top five wide receiver in the Big 12, have top three wide receiver in the Big 12. Zach Evans could prove to be one of the best running backs in the Big 12 in a year when the Big 12 is stacked at that position. Can Max Duggan be the guy at quarterback? If he can be, this team can compete and can make a Big 12 championship game and surprise a lot of people. So I'm going to leak TCU into the contender category. And I know they've had three straight mediocre seasons and people are going to not like it, but I'm putting them into the contender category. The Texas Longhorns, people will also dislike this, but they are contenders. And I know what you're saying. Every year we call TCU or Texas a contender and look what they do. Yes, but Texas was uh, a field goal away from playing for a Big 12 championship last season, which probably means Tom Herman doesn't get fired. If they beat Iowa State last year, Thanksgiving weekend, Black Friday, they're playing for a Big 12 title, there's no Steve Sarkeesian, Tom Herman's still the head coach. All right? They've got an enormous amount of talent. I know talent is never the issue at Texas. It's execution. But I like this staff that Steve Sarkeesian has. I like his options at quarterback between Casey Thompson and Hudson Card. We know what Steve Sarkeesian has done with his offenses most recently at Alabama. And Bijan Robinson at running back is a star in the making. The offense should roll through him. 
So there are pieces there. I have more concerns on defense. There are some transfers coming in, most notably at linebacker. If they can find a pass rusher or two, it can be an Oklahoma-Texas Big 12 title game. It can. And Iowa State's left out in the dark. It it can absolutely be an OU-Texas Big 12 championship game. So they are in the contender category. Texas Tech, pretender. Maybe Tyler Shuck is the guy quarterback. I mean, some people say he's like a first-round draft pick, a quarterback. I don't see it. I I just do not see it. No way, no how do I see that right now based on what I know. I mean, I I could be proven wrong, but just based on the bowl game last year uh, against uh, Iowa State, which we saw, and that's really the only time I had a chance to watch them completely, top to bottom. But I didn't sit here and get overly impressed by him. Seven and nine for 80 yards and an interception. But we'll see. I mean, you know, if he turns out to be that guy, then they will be contenders. But Matt Wells, he's got to have a good year. He's got to have a year that shows this program's going in the right direction, and that remains to be seen if he can do that. And then last but not least, West Virginia. Are they contenders or pretenders? The Mountaineers are pretenders. It's a hard team to figure out at times. I like what Neil Brown is doing. I like that defensively this team is, you know, being built on that side of the ball in an impressive fashion. But I've still got questions on offense. I I don't know if Jarrett Dagey can lead a team to Big 12 contention. I I, I really don't. Um, And that's why I'd like to see Garrett Green get some more looks. Uh, And, you know, we're just kind of following what we can follow here from afar. But Garrett Green was a solid prospect. A guy who, uh, you know, enrolled with the Mountaineers will be a redshirt freshman this year. His father, Major League Baseball catcher, so he's got some ties there. Standout quarterback down in Florida. If he's got some mobility and he's got accuracy, I'd love to see him get a shot because Daigie is a statue back there. And if you are a statue, boy, you better make up for it in other ways. And I don't see that from Jarrett Dagey. I didn't see it last year. And that's the biggest reason I can't put West Virginia into that contender category. The defense wants me to do it. But right now, the most important position in football, I can't justify it. There's your contender pretender rundown for the Big 12 Conference. Pete Mundo on Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com, your independent Big 12 Digital media outlet, hang tight. We are coming right back on Heartland College Sports Weekly. And before we continue, guys, please do take a moment out, uh, rate, review, subscribe to this podcast. I've got a free Heartland College Sports koozie to keep your beer cool this summer. Keep it cold this summer with our koozie. You can get one for free by leaving me a rating and a review on this show and hitting that subscribe button. And then send me a screenshot of your rating and review on iTunes. Send it to my email. It's Pete Mundo, M-U-N-D-O at heartlandcollegesports.com, and I will then in return say, hey, thanks, man, or thanks, woman. doesn't matter. We take both genders. We love both of you guys. And um, you just let us know where I'm sending the koozie to, and I'll get you a free koozie in the mail. So we appreciate you guys. It really helps this show grow every single day, especially during the offseason. We like that building up towards the football season. And it's our way of saying we appreciate you guys. So rating, review, send me a screenshot to Pete Mundo at heartlandcollegesports.com, and we'll get a koozie in the mail for you guys. Appreciate it. I got to give it to uh, Kansas football coach Lance Leipold. He did the right thing this week. I'm Pete Mundo. Heartland College Sports Weekly is the show. Heartlandcollegesports.com. 
is the site covering the entire Big 12 top to bottom. We appreciate you guys joining us each and every week. So Lance Leipold uh, announced the new KU football staff. And on the staff was Emmett Jones. Emmett Jones was the interim head coach. And not only that, but he kept a bunch of other guys from Les Miles on the staff as well. But the big one was Emmett Jones. It's going to be the wide receivers coach. And this was the right move uh, for Lance Leipold. I'm glad he held over some of the Les Miles guys just to have some continuity. And that's tough to do because a lot of coaches are going to be like, no, my team, my guys, my staff, no ifs, ands, or buts about it. But by keeping a guy like Emmett Jones on the team to coach wide receivers, you're getting a guy who recruited a lot of the players that are on KU, a lot of the high school guys who are coming out of uh, the state of Texas most notably. They are now happy probably because Emmett Jones recruited them that they're staying, that he's staying, that some of the other faces are staying as well on this staff. Uh, he recruited these guys. He brought them in. The other guys that are going to be holding over from the Les Miles regime include defensive line coach Quan Drake, cornerbacks coach Chevis Jackson, special teams coordinator Jake uh, Schoonover, and I apologize if I butchered the name there, and running backs coach Jonathan Wallace, along with a bunch of the guys coming from Buffalo with Lance Leipold, most notably offensive coordinator and defensive coordinator. The offensive coordinator is uh, going to be Andy, speak about a name that I could butcher, Nicky, and then Brian Borland as the defensive coordinator. They were both with Lance Leipold at Wisconsin-Whitewater, where he won six Division Three national titles, and also at Buffalo. So I like the blend. I like that move from Lance Leipold. I got to give him credit for it. What I struggle with here, totally separately, is did you see the new odds that are out for the um, – for the Big 12, I posted about this on the website at heartlandcollegesports.com. New Big 12 odds to win the conference in 2021. Now, these are always going to be changing. And uh, are these going to be the final odds come next fall? I don't know. But either way, Oklahoma's got the best odds to win the conference at 5-7. to seven. That's no big deal. That's expected. That means you put down $7 to win five. Not a good bet. The team with the second best odds to win the Big 12, Texas. New staff. Don't know who the quarterback's going to be. Yes, an immense amount of talent. Immense amount of talent. But to have the second best odds to win the Big 12, when you don't know who the quarterback is, you got a new staff, and you got a lot of changes all over the place. And when you have a team like Iowa State, that is going to be a top 10 preseason team that returns studs on both sides of the ball. Uh, I mean, Mike Rose, Charlie Kohler, Brees Hall, Brock Purdy, uh, the list goes on, that went to the Big 12 championship game last year. I, that I don't get. Now, Vegas wasn't built losing money, so they know something I don't. But right now, Texas is 11-4 to win the Big 12. That means $4 to win 11. Iowa State is 7-2, two, two bucks to win 7. Then you've got Oklahoma State at 10 to 1, TCU at 14 to 1, West Virginia 22 to 1, K-State 28 to 1, Baylor 50 to 1, Texas Tech 50 to 1 and Kansas 150 to 1. 
I mean, I know it's close and you're kind of splitting hairs on those odds, but Iowa State has got to be number two in terms of odds. To me, that's just classic. Oftentimes, the Blue Bloods um, will be over bet because they have enormous fan bases, right? Like, that's true for college sports, whether it's Alabama football, Ohio State football, Texas football, um, Kentucky basketball, Duke basketball. The odds are always oftentimes too heavily in their favor because they have enormous fan bases who root for them and want to bet on their teams. So maybe that's part of this. But, I, you know, Iowa State's a much better value bet at 7-2 to than Texas is at 11-4. to But if you really want value, TCU at 14-1 to is where I think you could find that value in terms of Big 12 teams who can win the conference and, um, you know, you get some value there. There's no value picking Oklahoma. You can do it if you want to try to make some easy money, but if you want value, TCU at 14-1 to is probably the value bet. I, I can't do Oklahoma State. I, I can't. Um, but it also tells you how college football, you know, can turn quickly, right? Like, think about this past season. If Iowa State doesn't beat Texas 23-20 on Black Friday, Tom Herman may still be the head coach. Things may look a lot differently for the Longhorns. Who knows? You know, it's it's very interesting. A play here, a play there can quickly, quickly turn things. Heck, Iowa State TCU could have gone either way last year. You know, think about that and how those two teams look differently right now and how we perceive them differently right now if TCU beats Iowa State last year. It's just, it's crazy. Uh, but still, Iowa State's got to be the second favorite in the Big 12 right now. That's what the preseason standing is going to show as well. I guarantee you that. Guarantee it. Pete Mundo here, Heartland College Sports Weekly is our show. HeartlandCollegeSports.com is our site. By the way, check out the free message boards on the website if you haven't yet. Want to have a great Big 12 community going on there. It is free once again to sign up. Coming up, final thoughts on the show on HeartlandCollegeSports.com. Why do we continue to take pro football focus seriously? Like, I, I'm genuinely curious why we do that. Pete Mundo with you. Final few minutes on Heartland College Sports Weekly. Part of heartlandcollegesports.com. It's great to be with you guys for another week. Uh, final few minutes here. So, our buddy Derek Duke wrote about this on the website. And I, I, I feel like I could do this piece every every week. Like pro football focus deciding to make a really strange hot take that just comes across ridiculous for those of us paying attention. So pro football focus decided to tweet out their top five returning running backs in college football. And their top five included at number one, Auburn's Tank Bigsby. At number two, Kansas State's Deuce Vaughn. At number three, Oklahoma's Kennedy Brooks at number four, Alabama's Brian Robinson Jr. And at number five, Ole Miss's Jerry and Ely. And I, I, I watched this and I saw this list and I'm like, uh, hello, Bueller. Has anybody heard of Brees Hall, the nation's leading rusher in 2020? Only player to pile up over 1,500 yards last season. 21 rushing touchdowns. His backup. Kenny Nwagwu was just picked in the fourth round of the NFL draft. He had 300 yards last year, and his backup was taken in the fourth round of the draft at a position that has less value on it than it's ever had at uh, running back. Uh, anybody pay attention anymore to any of this stuff? 
I mean, it's it's crazy. And that's not meant as disrespect to Deuce Vaughn or Kennedy Brooks. But honestly, like, I, I don't think either of those guys are better than Brees Hall. You could make a strong case for Bijan Robinson at Texas being on that list. So I know that they're going to say, well, this is very analytical. You see, the analytics are a big part of what we do and things like blocking and catching and blah, 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 blah. And they'll have all these different reasonings for why they are the experts on this and we are just the rubes who watch the games. Well, exactly. I watch the games, okay? I watch them every weekend in the Big 12. And I see a conference that top to bottom, Brees Hall dominated, absolutely dominated. Now, is Deuce Vaughn maybe shiftier? Is he maybe better out of the backfield and catching the ball than Brees Hall? Sure, sure, you can make that case. You can very much make that case. But by the way, Brees Hall did have 23 receptions last season. Like, the idea that he does not catch the ball and he's not somebody who, you know, could ever do that. He's just, you hand the guy the ball and he just runs and that's all he does and that's the extent of it, and uh, that's it. Uh, that's not really the case. It's not. 23 receptions is not nothing. You know how many Deuce Vaughn had last year? 25. <laughs> now, Deuce Vaughn did have 434 receiving yards compared to Brees Hall's 180. Uh, but still, I mean, these guys each had two receiving touchdowns. Like, numbers are basically the same there. So I just don't get it. Maybe I'm too too much of a simpleton, right? Maybe I, I just watch the game, so what do I know? But I just sit there and I say to myself sometimes, where do they get these numbers at Pro Football Focus? And why do we keep taking them seriously? Are they just looking for clicks and hot takes and that's kind of it? Or is there something else here? But I just, oh, yeah, yeah, it drives me crazy. It drives me absolutely crazy. But uh, you know what? It's the offseason, and that's why we drum up these conversations, and that's why we have these things to talk about. So that way uh, we're all sitting there on the same page and saying, whoa, this was kind of a shocker. This came out of left field. I can't believe this is the case. But um, here we are, and leave it to Pro Football Focus to do exactly that. Exactly that. I know a couple of minutes. You know, I saw this news on Thursday of the week, and – I want to make sure that if you follow the Big 12, like you want to talk about a guy whose name you may not know, whose name you will know by November, Oklahoma State, true freshman Kendall Daniels, number one player in the state of Oklahoma, top five safety in the nation, was committed to Texas A&M, got released from his national letter of intent, zero character issues, just won the Gatorade uh, player of the year for the state of Oklahoma. So I thought about him. I mean, this guy is probably going to be uh, a major contributor this fall. True freshman, top 100 player nationally, total stud. I imagine he's going to get a decent amount of run this year. He should, based on his talent level. And when I saw that he won the Gatorade um, Oklahoma Football Player of the Year Award, I thought that's one of those guys, when we put together our list as the offseason goes on, of like new faces, true freshmen who can make an immediate impact, he will be on that list. This is a guy, this is a name that you will come to know very quickly in this conference. And you should, because he will play and he will be a major, major player in the Big 12 for the next at least three seasons until he goes to the NFL. Like, that's how good this dude can be. And Oklahoma State had him fall right into their lap. 
and he became Oklahoma State's highest-rated defensive recruit since Rashetti Jones 14 years ago. I mean, that's a huge grab for Mike Gundy. Huge grab for Mike Gundy, who I get I've been tough on today, uh, but big, big, big job by him. And on a similar defensive uh, note, tough for Kansas, one of their best defensive players, a guy who's actually got a bright future. Marcus Harris is entering the transfer portal. He was part of Les Miles' first recruiting class in 2019. And uh, he is leaving the program. That is tough because this guy actually was making a difference. He had a team high seven and a half tackles for lost last year on that um, on that defensive end spot. And that just stings. That's the last thing Lance Leipold needs is losing key players, losing important players, guys who actually made a difference and could play in this league. And they lost one in Marcus Harris. And you hate to see it. You really do, because I think this guy could have been a productive player for KU for quite some time. I'm Pete Mundo. That's it for this week. Don't close out before you leave me that rating and a review. It helps so much. That's why I'm sending you a free koozie when you leave me a rating and a review. And send me a screenshot to Pete Mundo, M-U-N-D-O, at heartlandcollegesports.com of that iTunes rating and review. I'll get you a koozie in the mail with our Heartland College Sports logo on it. That's how much I appreciate you guys doing it. we got to beat the big dogs like ESPN in the uh, podcast rankings, and we do it with your help. That's what makes you guys the best. We are all grassroots. It's because of you. Enjoy the week. We'll talk to you guys soon.